In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I read a book a long while back called Crashing Through. And the book was a story of a man called Michael May, who had been blinded at age three in an accident with a chemical. And he lost one eye in the accident, and the other eye he became blind. And so he grew up uh, blind, and he became a very successful business person. He actually was an analyst for the CIA. It's a true story. He started uh, his own business. He was an inventor. He won medals in skiing, downhill skiing. And he lived a full and complete life. When he was 45, after 42 years of living, being blind, he happened to go with his wife to an eye checkup. And the doctor looked at him and said, wow, you have this condition. I think there's something we can do for you. And he brought him to another doctor, and they, they looked at it. And he was one of these very rare cases where they felt that they might be able to offer him sight. So he had to really agonize over the decision. It was a real discernment, because he was going to be taking lots of drugs that were known cancer-causing drugs, and he might die of cancer, and the operation may not work, and all kinds of things he had to consider, and did he really want sight at this point in his life, at 45, when he had certainly learned to navigate the world beautifully in his current condition. So being sort of an adventurous person, he decided to have the operation. There had only been 20 cases through time of people who were able to regain their sight. But he didn't read any of those cases because he didn't want other people's experience to influence his own decision. So a couple of days after his operation, he went and he thought he was getting the bandages changed. And he went to the doctor and the doctor took off the bandages and all of a sudden light and color flooded into his eye and he could see. Miracle. And the day after the bandages were taken off, there's actually this picture of him on the internet catching a ball that his son is throwing to him. But the interesting part of this is that his brain had developed as a blind person, and he couldn't discern faces. So he would know that something was a face, but he couldn't tell the difference between his wife's face or a stranger's face, or his child's face. And no matter how hard he worked at trying to train his brain to differentiate, it just didn't happen. And he had other problems with his sight. If he saw something orange on a basketball court, he would think that it would be round and it would be a basketball. But if it was a square orange object, he would still think it was round and a basketball. So there were things that they discovered about how the brain is trained that he then could not undo. He could not retrain his brain. So a lot of his vision became meaningless. It was not something he could use to navigate the world. He couldn't drive. He couldn't differentiate. But what was important to me and why I'm telling you this story is that he kept his level awareness of people as a blind person. That for him, he wasn't able to make judgments based on a visual cue. 
So if he saw somebody coming down the street dressed in a certain way, looking a certain way, most of us would start to make some sort of judgment about who's coming toward us. I was thinking about this sermon. I went to Lowe's and I saw this kid and he had the, the big spacers in his earlobes. <laughs> that freaks me out. You know, I'm, I'm pretty open, but it's like, whoa. And I, you know, I made an immediate judgment, like, that guy's nuts, you know? And so, so I was very much aware of how we do make those judgments based on a visual cue that we get. But this man had grown up not having those visual cues, and so he had to really get to know people on a different level, in a deep way, to even have a clue about who they were and how they were and what they were doing. And so I think that was one of his keys to success, is that he couldn't make snap judgments. So the gospel today is calling us not to make snap judgments. It's calling us to look at the way we view life and the way we view other people and the way we view ourselves in a deeper way. Luke does this in several stories in his gospel. And today, he talks about the Pharisee who invites him to dinner. Now, the Pharisee is a good man. He's keeping the law. He's obeying the rules. He's doing everything right that he possibly can do. And he's righteous as a result, and he knows he's righteous. And then this woman shows up, who the Pharisee knows has a reputation. She's not a good person. And here she comes and does this over-the-top display to Jesus. I mean, she's weeping, she's anointing him, she's got a big expensive jar of oil, and she's, she's kind of like making a spectacle of herself at the Pharisee's dinner. And this isn't right. This is not following the rules. And so he goes to Jesus, and, and, and then he makes a judgment about Jesus. He can't be a prophet because he's allowing this woman in to do all of this crazy stuff. And what Jesus does is he makes him go deeper. He makes him think of something in a totally different way. So he tells him the parable. Someone owes you 50 denarii, someone owes you 500. If both debts are forgiven, who's going to love you more? Well, the one who owes you more money. And so what he does is he takes things and he turns it upside down. Like here is this woman who's very sinful and she's expressing love to him. And here's this man who's doing everything right and he's not doing anything. Sound familiar? Remember the prodigal son? I've always been in the older brother's spot. You know, because I was that kid. I was always the one towing the line, being good, the perfect middle child. And my brothers were out there doing everything, right? And then they'd come home at 2 o'clock in the morning having not done their curfew, but my mother's so happy that they're alive that she welcomes them home. Hey, wait a minute, I was here at quarter to midnight. <laughs> now I'm chopped liver. So, I mean, the, the, the prodigal son thing always irritated me. And, the, and I kind of relate to the Pharisee. He's doing everything right. And Jesus says, no, this isn't how God is. God is incredibly and abundantly merciful and loving and forgiving. And that when we get that, then maybe we can let go of our prideful ways of being the righteous one and move into that 
feeling of mercy and love. But we all like to be the righteous one. I'm justifying my own feelings here, so maybe you don't. But I like that. This is why I watched Seinfeld, because I could feel superior to every character on that show. <laughs> I swear this is why it's a hit. Yeah, I think, wow, I would never be that stupid. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we feel righteous. You know, we're right. And, you know, and by God, we are right. I mean, there are times when I have to repeat something about eight times to my husband until he finally says, you're right, honey. <laughs> no, because he's realized it's just not going to go anywhere. So, so if we let go of our pride and our righteousness and, and move into understanding what God understands is that mercy and love creates transformation. Because eventually in our lives, we are the sinner. And we are in need of forgiveness. And the lesson that we hear from the gospel today is that we don't have to feel shame about the need for forgiveness. We don't have to feel humiliated when we, we have a problem or where we have been sinful. What we do need to know is that the loving God reaches out to us in mercy and love and transforms us. And that what the response to that is gratitude. Now, I don't want to leave you with that horrifying story we heard in the Old Testament, which was wonderfully read by Rita Mufaraj. You know, we had a little violence and craziness at the beginning of the service, and I'm sitting there listening to that story thinking, wow, this is church. <laughs> and it's like, thus saith the Lord, I will get you. I am, you know, the threats and, you know, the God of the Old Testament who's angry and mad at the people because they're always screwing up and he's going to come back and get you and smite you and send floods and vermin and starvation and all this crazy stuff. So I had a moment of anxiety because it reminded me of my graduate ordination exams when that was the question, how do you take the crazy angry God of the Old Testament and reconcile it with the loving, merciful God of the New Testament. That's like I read that question and started to hyperventilate. <laughs> so what I think I said and what I think we should all think about is that the God of the Old Testament was that story is our foundation story. And that that God did make a covenant with the people. And then all this stuff happens and continues to happen in the world. And the, the violence and the fighting and the, I want this piece of land, no, you can't have it. I want this piece of land, no. Who has more power? Who can take it away? All of this stuff that continues to go on. And God's right in there making, making threats and doing all of this. And then what happened was Jesus came. And Jesus came as uh, fully divine and fully human to give us an alternative vision of what God is really about. An alternative vision of love and a loving and merciful God, not an angry and avenging God. And the reason that Jesus can give us that is because Jesus is fully human in a way that we too can strive to be fully human. So that we say that expression where we say, when we, when we mess up, we say, oh, I'm only human. In contrast to the expression that we use is, 
Why don't you act like a human being? We use that word in two different ways. I'm only human as an excuse, or why can't you be a, more like a human being? Well, the human being that we need to be more like is Jesus, fully human, fully divine, who is the only one who has the authority to teach us and tell us what God is truly like. Because of the rest of the stories come from the people who are living those stories and were, were experiencing this. It's like saying, you know, God's on the side of the Yankees. <laughs> you know? Or the Red Sox fan is God on, side, on the side of the Red Sox. I know, I'm getting all the high signs out there, but do you see what I'm saying? Jesus is the one who can tell us what God is like. And what Jesus tells the Pharisee and the woman sinner is that God is loving and merciful. And when we buy into that, when we go deeper, when we really think about that, when we get it, we can be transformed.